and good evening, our fellow lovers of love. And thank you for joining us on this excursion down our stream of consciousness towards the river of tranquility and on towards the lake of love. Yay! Hey, I got one right. <laughs> How that happened. And today is a more laid back day. We've been kind of we've been kind of heavy in the topic selections and discussions, which is perfectly fine. But every now and again, we need to make sure we lighten things up. And it's not always easy to do in the same show. You know, to to kind of transition from a serious, heavy topic to a more lighter discussion. I suppose it's easier to go from a light discussion to a heavier topic, but yes, but going the other way is is difficult. You know, you don't want to shortchange a heavy discussion. And for those of you who are watching the podcast, yes, I am wearing sunglasses. The hair is down and looking lovely as normal. Oh my god! <laughs> what? Your hair looks good. Yeah, it always looks good. What are you talking about? Hasn't seen scissors in years, but other than that, it looks good. It, it could use some help on the end, uh, if you wanted to be honest, for those of you on the podcast. But I can't cut it short, because if I cut it short, then I end up getting wings and stuff, and it looks awful. And so my hair either has to be long or really short. It can't be in between. It's just the way it is. It's like, no. So, well, I like it long. So, well, good, because so do I. So. You mean you didn't grow it out for me? No, and I didn't pick up that joke either. I left it sitting there. What? To, you like a long joke. Stop. <laughs> Just want to point that out. Almost. <laughs> almost. Almost left it alone. Don't you say that. couldn't help yourself, could you? So. Speaking of canting, helping yourself, we're going to hop right into our topics today because Lovey got us started on 10 reasons you should smoke weed every day. Now, before we start, there's lots of reasons why you shouldn't as well. So, we're not giving medical or even personal life advice. We are just having some fun. So, you know... This is not medical advice, even though marijuana is a useful medical tool. I use it for anxiety. Some people use it for pain, insomnia, glaucoma. There's lots of, of legitimate medical uses. But you make those decisions based upon your own personal research and knowledge and balancing of that health equation. Don't do it because you listen to a couple of yahoos on the, on the podcast and the internet. Please, especially when we're just having some fun tonight. Okay, so let's get us started. I just wanted to get that disclaimer out there right to start. We're, no, we're, we're having fun tonight. So, it's, you know, this isn't a, while it's a serious topic, and, and using marijuana for either recreation or, or medical uses, there's legitimate reasons there. But, uh, you know, we're not drug pushers here, either prescriptions for medical, pharmaceuticals, or rec or nons, you know, we just talk about things people exist in their lives. That's all we do, and we discuss it from our perspective. 
And so I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. We're not dis dispensing medical advice in any shape, manner, or form. Okay. So what do we got here over there, Levy? Number one, which, of course, leading the pack, smoking weed is fun. No, this is true. It, well, it can be fun. It's everything in its, you know, moderation, everything in moderation. I wouldn't say smoking weed every day is fun. I like it. Well, yeah, but we don't do it for fun. I don't smoke weed every day for fun. No, not for fun. It's medication. Tonight, maybe. We have a, smoked a little bit for fun, but... Well, we do sometimes, yeah. When we have those two joint sessions, that's <laughs> definitely for fun. But, like anything, if it's, you know, if you're smoking weed so you can have fun, it's just like, well, I can't have fun if I don't drink anymore. It's a dangerous mindset to get yourself into. So I want to throw a, a dash of caution. I can't help myself, can I? We want to throw a dash of caution into the wind. Enjoy it, but that is not a reason to smoke it every day. I just want to point that out. That is a bad first thing right off the top. <laughs> you want to have a long anxiety day, you come home. Okay, we'll probably get to things like that. But ah, Yes, we will. So just if, if your mindset is, hey, every day for fun, you should probably be careful. That's kind of all I'm saying. Okay, number two, it lowers stress. Yes. That is a very good reason for, especially if you have like an anxiety disorder or a, or a hypertension, and you might work for something like hypertension, or if you just have a stressful job and you want to go home and relax and you're not someone, you know, some people go home and they drink a, a beer or a glass of wine and you, some people smoke double bowls of pot. There's no real difference between the, yeah, you know, and it's not even necessarily the, the substance you're using. Sometimes it's just the routine. It gives, there's a, calmness in the routine is that you come home you relax a little bit you take your favorite adult beverage or or i don't know what the hell do you call <laughs> you take your favorite adult beverage or recreational smokage smokage or medical smoke or whatever and yeah i suppose we could put edibles in there but you know, you, you come home, and just like anything else, you, you have a routine when you get home, and it just helps to de-stress your day. That's also a valid reason. It's kind of like the glass of wine after work or with dinner or the, the beer with dinner. In that context, it's there's nothing wrong with it. You know? That's, again, all things in moderation, right? It's why you're doing some of these things. Okay, what do we got? Number three, sativa will boost your energy. Yes. Sativas are known to get, get are known to increase energy. Yeah. If you need a little boost before cleaning the house or tackling your next project, a sativa is a perfect uplifting strain. Yes. Now, if you have, you want to be careful when you choose, especially if you have, um, if if you're using it for medical treatment of like anxieties, because different strains have different effects on people and like i have to be very careful i'm not i can't really take sativas it kicks off my anxiety it makes you kind of the you know somehow some people get paranoid when they smoke pot and so it actually it's you know it has the opposite effect so you know this isn't for everybody 
and not everything is for everybody. Not everything works the same way. No, it doesn't work the same way for everybody. It's all individual. But this vibe, you know, and the indica is kind of a uh, body high, so to speak. And there's, and that's a real generic. Very generic. That's a real generic explanation. But yeah. Like if you're going hiking, you don't want to smoke a bunch of, uh, of indica before you go. You're probably going to want to take some sativa with you. <laughs> Indica's for when you get back and your muscles are sore. <laughs> so two different things. Okay, so what's the next one? Indica will help you sleep better. Speaking of bedtime, one of the most common reasons why people smoke weed every day is to help improve sleep quality yeah well it can help you fall asleep and then it can help you again depending upon the person help you sleep longer because you, so many of the things that you do that wake yourself up don't happen your body doesn't feel the need to move your muscles are more relaxed and your body is physically more relaxed so you can stay in one position longer and all the various other issues that wake you up it's not just that it helps you fall asleep it's that it actually relaxes helps relax your muscles and your joints and all those various little things that little things that can disrupt a night's sleep and it's always as always your mileage your particular mileage may vary and different strains are better at different things so you know it's when you pick a strain you have to be very careful about what you want because not all strains will put you to sleep, even if it's an indica. Some may put you in a couch lock, but you're not going to be able to sleep because your your mind, it's got enough sativa in it that you, you just want to sit there and, and watch your TV show. Your brain's still active enough. It doesn't actually put the brain to sleep. Like we, I stick with purples, things that have a, some of the, essentially it's things that have purple kush in somewhere in the strain. Because that helps my anxiety without actually couch locking me. So it's less for sleep. Now, it helps with sleep because it couch locks your body once you're ready to go to bed, but it doesn't actually make you go to bed. Now, there's other strains that I don't pay attention to. You know, you smoke some, you're 20 minutes later, you're passed out on the couch for some reason. I'm tired all of a sudden. I don't know what happened. No, I'll never forget going to when I went to go live in Hawaii, and I was warned it's heavy shit, and I'm like, I oh, know I got a high tolerance. I took two hits, and I was crucifixion weed. I was laid out. Uh, yeah, but you came from Ohio. You had dirt weed in the middle of the country. No, I was from California at that point. Yeah, all right. So let me say because you know you don't there. Those poor people in the middle of the country in the East Coast, they don't know what didn't know what good weed was until recently. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, they would get it on occasion, but you know, where are you gonna get it from? <laughs> By the time it gets to you, it's been pinched and bagged and you know, carted in people's trunks for thousands of miles. God. California, we just need people to come down from the hills. It's just, you know, 
They do regularly. <laughs> quite, quite literally, come down from the hill. Oh wait, I forgot to put you on this thing. There's the levee, and that's what you get. There we go. Now we're actually right. I see. I forgot. I'm not still not quite there. The head thing, the head brain fog is still a little bit. Anyway, I noticed that today when I was out doing my uh, event. Oh, okay. So, what we got next? Creativity boost. Another benefit of sativas and sativa dominant hybrids is they often trigger a creative mental state. This is true. I completely agree. There is a problem with that, though. There, there is a side effect. You often forget it. What? What you're being creative about. <laughs> you get this whole creative boost, and you've got all these ideas, and they're, they're, they're actually generally good ideas. But then you go, I'll remember tomorrow, and I'll write them down and take care of it tomorrow. And you don't. And then so when tomorrow comes around, you forgot you even had them until the next time. And then guess what you do? What? The same damn thing. Because you know why? Because <laughs> you're stoned and you're high, and that's what happened. <laughs> So it is true. It's those ones who are organized, who actually remember to write stuff down immediately or have a system where they could work so it doesn't write, interrupt their flow. It's other people who actually can do that successfully. And some of us can't. So, you know, because they all remember. No, no, you're not. You're not going to remember. Yeah, I will. No, no, you're not. <laughs> Ah, yeah, sure. I'll remember this time. Never remembered before. Yeah, that's the conversation. But then... You go to... Because you're stoned, you all... Yeah, because you're stoned. You're just tripping. Because you're stoned and busy and don't feel like it. That's exactly what it is. All right, so what's next? Number six, relieves pain. If you know nothing about medical marijuana, you probably know it's an effective pain reliever. That's always one of these things I actually have trouble with recommending as a pain reliever because for me, it never actually relieves the pain. It helps me cope with the pain. Okay. And but again, it's only for me. I don't know what it does for other people. I can only relate to my personal experience. And, you know, maybe mine is different than others because you know if you're dealing with pain related to like inflammation it doesn't really do much to limit inflammation but if you've got sore joints or just kind of general soreness it does it seems to help some people and so but skin it's one of these things try it it helped me when i had cramps please so for various you know different issues so you know and your, again, your mileage may vary. Things that it doesn't work for me on may work perfectly fine for somebody else. Just like every other medication, you know? Not every medication works for everybody. It's just the way the world works. But the nice thing is, it's a perfectly natural, you know, it's been used for tens of thousands of years, as far as we can tell, back as far as humans do. They use it to... 
Yeah, every once in a while they find. I remember reading one thing I found on Facebook. They found a a, a burial. They buried somebody with like two pounds of weed. See, there we go. It's kind of a waste of two pounds of weed, but hey, whatever grows back. Well, which just goes to show how much weed they had. <laughs> yeah, they had enough for two pounds. Yeah. Well, of course, you know those Egyptians would throw what gold in all those. In their kings and stuff, filled yeah. with gold. So I guess they had another gold, right? Well, until they didn't, and they went and broke back in. No, it. it showed what they valued. Yeah. And they also didn't have it because those things were quickly broken into and remolded down. Everybody says, oh, they stole them. Yeah, BS. You know who broke in and stole all that gold? I'll almost guarantee it. Grave robbers. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but who paid the grave robbers to go do it? I don't know. Yeah, the next king who needed the gold to fill his too. <laughs> it's cheaper that way. You fill it up, it's just sitting there. So you go take it, you go put it in yours, and the cycle repeats. And that's why everybody tried, everybody was trying to prevent the next guy from doing it, but it always happened. My theory, you know, I'm talking out my behind end, but that's my. I mean, I never base human nature is base human nature, especially when you get to the narcissistic part. Now, maybe it wasn't all of them. Maybe it was only one or two. You know, every five or six. But yeah, that's my guess. All right, now we've gone off. Let's see, I told you we've gone off onto ancient Egypt now. <laughs> Okay, number seven. It's increasingly increasingly accepted. Okay, but I don't know why that's a reason to use it anymore. Celebrities around the world endorse smoking weed. Politician even politicians even recommend it. Yeah, and you have um, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart getting together to sell lighters and pie. I think was the other thing they were selling lighters and pie. I think maybe I don't remember what the other product was. Pie in the horse. Yeah, Bic. They're on the Bic lighter advertisement. <laughs> Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. They got Bic lighter advertisement. Apparently, they're good friends. Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. Just go figure. Go figure. Hey, man, marijuana brings people together from all walks of life. You can't get any different walks of life than Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. But yet, we share marijuana in common. Or they share making money off of marijuana in common. That may be a better answer to the question. <laughs> Put my cynical hat on there for a second. <laughs> hey, more power to him. I just wish someone would pay me to sell mar marijuana <laughs> lighters or whatever the hell. That's all I mean. That's just selfishness. That's, that's greed or whatever. I don't know. All right, so let's take number eight. It helps with depression. A recent study based on a Canadian participant seemed to suggest that cannabis could ease the symptoms of depression. People reported a 58% decline in their symptoms of depression when they treated it with marijuana. I would not suggest that anybody use marijuana 
by itself to treat depression. If you're dealing with depression and you're not dealing with the fundamentals that's causing the depression in the first as a treatment to help you get through that process, then that's fine. As long as, you know, whatever process it is, whether it's counseling or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever the process you are good, you're personally using the life coach, a counselor, you know, yoga, meditate, whatever else it is, but you're using marijuana as a, as a help to that, to help alleviate the symptoms while you go through it, to make going through that process a little bit easier. Okay, fine. But I would not suggest to your main tool to deal with depression to be marijuana because it'd be very easy to click yourself into sativa into indicas and not get out of bed it just would be and then you've got a second hill to climb so i, I never actually suggest you set up two hills to climb so set up one hill and you know use it as a crutch to help you through that one hill rather than that as your support system because you need to be stronger than that ultimately so you know that'd be my suggestion and again we're not dispensing medical advice but and again it's that helps with depression is the key word it does not deal with it by itself okay <coughs> Number nine, social activity. Uh, certain strains of cannabis are considered very sociable and are known to increase conversation. Think sativa and sativa dominant strain. Yeah, it's like... For anyone who has wallflower tendencies, smoking a little weed before entering a social environment can help with the entry. Here again, it depends upon your strain. Well, and your strain and your reactions to it. Yes. Yeah, because for me, I need a, I need an indigo strain to calm my nerves before I walk out. It's not, it's not the mood enhancer I need. It's the nerve calmer that I See, need. See, I do better with a little sativa. It makes me a little chatty. Yeah. Well, and it's again, it's it's all dependent on. I was, and it's not many different. I was at an event today for a. It's a, a small political event for the local area. And it was at a brewery, a local little microbrewery or, or whatever. And so everybody's sitting there. Everybody, after they get their first half beer or beer in them, everybody becomes chatty. And I hadn't, you know, I was driving and all that stuff. So I wasn't. You're not a drinker anyway. I'm not a drinker. I'm not allowed to drink right now, even if I was a drinker. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting about <laughs> your liver. Yeah, so even if I was, and, and I wouldn't have been drinking anyway, but normally, you know, I would have hang, hang out in the parking lot for a few minutes, hit a couple, take a couple hits off a pipe or whatever, and then gone in. I didn't think about doing that today because it was kind of a last-minute call, whether I was feeling well enough to go do it or not, mm. to go. <laughs> and so, you know, and I'm still dealing with a little bit of brain fog from this liver thing. And so I'm just trying to keep track of conversation. <laughs> so I'm not very talkative. And, and you know, if you're going, you, you almost wish that you drank a little bit because then you don't care if you can keep up with the conversations or not. 
you almost wish, but yeah. But it was actually kind of nice to get out and about. I haven't been out and about much. It also lets me kind of judge where I'm in mean, the brain fog. It's kind of hard to tell exactly where what brain kind of how deep you are in the brain fog is when you're at home all the time and you don't actually have to engage all your senses at the same time. And you can kind of pick and choose how much you intake. So it's just good to get out there and get a good sense of Yeah. And you're all with friendly people. You know, everybody's there. <laughs> you know, or everybody's there on the same generic, you know, like-minded, politically like-minded people. And in a divisive world as today, it's kind of nice to be able to sit down and just be friendly without having to worry about anything. <laughs> yeah. But I do. I wish I would have been more talkative and more chatty, but I just couldn't quite keep up. Anyway, we got off the, oh, it was social anxiety. So we actually qu didn't quite, I didn't have any actually social anxiety because I was amongst friends, amongst compatriots, so to speak. But I wasn't able to keep up with the conversation, three or four different conversations. I couldn't quite keep up, which I normally can. Which is also why I suck at these banners and stuff now. And remembering to do things like you can go find us on latenightlove.locals.com or you can find us at Anchor FM slash latenightlove or you can find us at Facebook slash Bud and Late Night Love. I see these kind of things that I haven't been doing recently because I can't think of all the various things I need to do. I have to only think of the one thing. Oh, I got In a, front of you. Yeah, I guess it's a one-track mind. The one track works fine. It's just, <laughs> it's just I can't do the multiple-track thinking that I used to be able to do. I'm trying not to get frustrated. <laughs> okay, there we go. We're back. Do that one again. There's number 10. There's no hangover. Yeah, well, that's only if you're comparing it to something else. Yes, but there's no hangover effect. Even though I would actually say no hangover. Sometimes. I've had a little bit of a yeah, it, it's, malaise. Yeah, sometimes in the, it's the, you know, the, the motor doesn't quite want to start in the morning. It's not the same thing as a hangover because you don't really feel bad. You just have a hard time cranking over. <laughs> Once you get going, you're fine. It's just you just get the hard time. Oh, I don't want to move today. <laughs> I think we smoked too much last night. <laughs> it's a little stone, you know. I should only have half a burn. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> That's when I feel it the next day is with the edibles. But then again, I take between six and eight hundred milligrams. I'm a heavy hitter. Yeah, you just go. It's like you know, you can wait and see how heavy that, how good that is before half a month. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Told you. That's how I like it. Hey, if you're going to go to recreate, go to recreate, right? That's what I do. When I do an edible and I don't do them very often, I want to feel it. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> if you're going to pay 20 bucks, I want to be stoned. You know. Is that the same attitude back when you were drinking? 
<laughs> if I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna get drink until I black out. <laughs> no, I would try and drink like a lady. But unfortunately, it I, was not, oh, I was sorry. not capable. Of ah, okay, it. so it's actually a different mindset. It's a completely different mindset. Okay, all right, that's cool. <laughs> As long as it's a different mindset, then I'm cool with it. That's, that's fine. No, I always miss the mark. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I always would aim for just, you know, getting a little tipsy, but that's not how it worked out every single time. <laughs> okay, so I was like, hey, as long as it's a different mindset, then I'm comfortable with it. All right. As long as it wasn't the same mindset. No, it's not the same mindset. Oh, sorry. I'm <laughs> All right, so we've got that one done. We are actually halfway, so why we're going to sit here and talk about all the give. You're going to go off and take a couple minutes break? All right, I will sit here, and we're going to give Lovey a short break. We'll be right back. There's a question. I feel really bad that someone from, went to HR and said they didn't want to work with me, but didn't provide a reason. And my manager is asking, what is it about? Yet I have no clue. What should I do? Tell your manager you have no idea what it's about. I mean, you've got to have honest answers. You've got to have honest conversations. You know, you'd love to you express that you would love to um, you know, figure out what the problem is, but... You know, unless you have some more information, you can't manage that relationship. I was just filling time by answering those, one of those questions. Oh, okay. We asked, it was the last question. So feel bad because someone complained to HR. The very last question <coughs> on our list. Someone complained to HR about not wanting to work with a person. Yes, but, I read that. But, the, you know, but all you can do is say, well, I need to know why before I can do anything. I have no clue. Well, I got a piece of advice from my ex-sister-in-law. May she rest in peace. Uh-huh. Uh, she said, uh, if ever HR ever comes to you and says that, you just say, why? I don't understand. I thought I got along with everybody. Put it on them. Put it back in their court. Well, my, my thing is... is Something is already confrontational, so don't make it confrontational. Don't. Pinching yes, does. does it? Yes, it does. Because you, you're actually starting to play ping pong. You're actually going to start creating a blame game. And you don't. You say, okay, I'm perfectly willing to, to, hear, you, to hear you, but I actually need information. I don't know what's going on, so I need to be told. And then we can figure out a solution to this. And that's really what you have to do. Because... It's, you have to think of it as like a team, you know, whether it's a baseball team or a football team or anything, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have people who don't have personality conflicts, who simply rub each other the wrong way just because they exist. You don't have to have nothing necessarily, anything concrete, right? Personality is great. Sometimes you get two personalities that just grade each other. It just is. And sometimes only one person is graded, you know, it, it just is. But you learn to deal with that by dealing with it. And what happens is here is your boss and the other person don't want to actually deal with it. They want you to deal with it. Well, no, you all three have to deal with it together. That's how teams work. 
And that's how you build trust moving forward. And it's sad that your boss in the HR department aren't the ones who are taking the lead on this and, and doing it, but it's your job isn't to put it back onto the other person. Your job is to put it back on the HR and your boss's position to be the leaders you're supposed to be. You can't come to me without information telling me there's a problem. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how are you supposed to know what to change? Yeah, and it's not even necessary. But can we, you know, I need more information for to help you. I'm happy to help. I'm here to help. I want to make. I don't want to work in a crappy environment. I don't want anybody else to work in a, an environment they don't want to work in. But I need you to help me help you. And you approach it that way. And that way, it's you're actually offering help, not offering resistance. And it goes a long way. Oddly enough, it goes a long way to make you feel like a better person. The person you actually want to be because you're the one taking the high road and while the high road can be difficult to get to it's a wonderful place to be all right so let's do this uh the one word to an introvert so what was this whole intro one word to not say to an introvert because we've got an introvert sitting here in this <laughs> yeah I'm an introvert, believe it or not. So. Well, what you're not supposed to say is, why are you such a loner? Yeah, well, think about it. That's like asking somebody, why are you gay? It's just, yeah, well, because they are, you know? There's not a reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> I came this way. Like, you know, it just is. You know, it's the nature of the world. Sorry, it, it just is. There's no, there's not even a sorry to it. I can't. It's just the way, you know, my cells are conglomerated together and made me the way I am. But a loner is the same way. They're not that way because they chose to be. They're that way because they are. No one made a choice. It's a combination of their nature. And you can say, well, nurture had some things to do about it, but not really, not fundamentally. Nurture can help you become less of a loner or become more comfortable in situations, but you're still fundamentally going to be a loner. You can learn how to interact in, in group settings and, na and navigate all that. You can learn to do that as a loner, but you're still going to be a loner. You're still going to be more comfortable by yourself. Your natural environment will be you and a small close group of people that's that's me that's that's the loner and loners are actually loners it's they just have a very small group that they trust less it's not the same thing if you just don't like you know just because someone doesn't like you know big parties and going to clubs and and you know, having those massive experiences doesn't mean they don't like having experiences. They just like experiences that are less crowded. Nothing wrong with that. It's just a different way to experience and to go through the world. Stop being judgmental. I mean, how would you like, why are you such an extrovert? Why can't you just sit in your own skin for a few days?
you know, you could say the same thing about extroverts. Why can't you just be comfortable by yourself? Like, what, you don't like yourself? You can't sit with yourself? I don't know. That's, that's not true either. They get rejuvenated by, energized by being around people. And so they go off and they search for around people. Why wouldn't you? If being around people energizes you, you're going to go search for other people. <laughs> you're going to do it. Why wouldn't you? If people drain you, you're going to avoid them. I get drained. I have to have downtime after a social event. I have to rejuvenate my batteries. Yeah. It's... You know, and... has to us. The thing is finding yours and not being judgmental when you see somebody else's on theirs. Because you know what? They can be saying the exact same thing about you just from the other side of the coin. And it's all true from their perspective. But at the same time, neither one is true. You're all just trying to get through life. You're all just being who you are. You're just taking your perspective and imposing it on somebody else and saying, I can't understand it. Okay. And because I can't understand it, therefore something's wrong with it. Oh, yeah. No, that's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. Right. No, it's just you can't understand it because you can't see it from their perspective, which is fine. You know, it'd be nice if you could try to learn, try to actually try to actually understand their perspective, but you never can truly do it. Anyway, we're going to beat this dead horse. I'm just repeating myself, so we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> the number one trait people over 50 are looking for when dating. There's a number one trait people over 50 are Yes, for? a survey conducted by Silver Singles revealed that both men and women in their 50s are going away with small talk they are looking for good conversation. That is the number one thing they're looking for. Well, yeah, because small talk is empty. There's no meaning. It's a waste of freaking time. I mean... <laughs> well, we've all been quarantined, you know, dang near for a year and a half. And with the same group of people, <laughs> we're ready for new and fresh. <laughs> Well, no, I think at 50 years old, when you start hitting your 40s and your 50s, I suppose, your needs shift. You need companionship more than you need all the various... Well, you're done raising your children. You're pretty darn near. Yeah. You've entered a different stage in your life. Yes. You're no longer in that kind of building stage, grossly speaking. Yeah. You're in a, a you're in the um kind of a more of a maintenance and maintaining stage. It's a whole different stage of life. Life isn't necessarily so fast. Life slowed down a little bit. And the things that are more important are uh the conversations and the people, not the things. You know, because you can't, can't run out and play basketball or, or jump around anymore. Your knees are too sore. You can't go to the rave. 
because, well, no one wants to see a 50-year-old person at a rave. Trust me. <laughs> I mean, okay, some 50-year-olds, but no one wants to see me at a rave, right? It's just, it's just creepy. And so, <laughs> you know, there's things that you just don't do. And you, but you replace it with something that's more fulfilling for that time of your life. It's just a different stage of your life until you look for a different thing. Well, I was I was not in my fifties, but I I learned earlier early on earlier on in my life that um, you know a lot of passion comes and goes, but it's the it's the friendship. Can you sit and have a conversation for an hour without wanting to tear each other's heads off? You know, I mean, you, yeah. you enjoy each other. Yeah, if you get quarantined in your house for nine months, how are you going to kill each other? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that passion, you got all that passion can turn to hate in nine months of being quarantined. You know, it's one thing if you can go off for 12 hours a day and you're off at work or whatever and you want to come back and you know, together for four hours a day, essentially sleeping the other other eight but it's another thing if you're stuck there for nine months some of those volatile relationships can become volatile the wrong way i I understand it's stability it's you know you're no longer looking for the it's not excitement you want anymore it's stability companionship and and it's pretty much through both sexes uh women were 76.5 percent and women women the men were um at 71 percent so i mean it was that's pretty close it's not like all women just want to talk yeah no well because men are broken at 50. our bodies don't work anymore we've we've ignored and 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 abused our bodies for 50 years they don't longer work and so all we got left is our mind Hey, it is what it is. All right, so what we got? We we got these questions. Here we go. Okay, I'm 17, and my mom still makes me go to bed at 7 p.m. every night. I told her that my friends go to bed later, but she won't listen. What do I do? At 17, you're at 7 p.m. Ah, are you guys like a farm people or something? It just it's, it's got to be a reason. Actually, that's what I would ask her. is to avoid being emotional. You're going to have to park your emotions when you have this discussion. And it's hard as a 17-year-old because a 17-year-old is it's nothing but emotion. But in order to have this discussion, because there's something there, early to bed, early to rise, it's that thing. But what your mother doesn't understand is that's a rule for a bygone era. It's a rule for an era before the invention of the light bulb. Not even a rule for an era for the 22nd century. 21st century, whatever the hell century you're in. 21st century. 21st century. <laughs> I skipped ahead 100 years. Yes, you did. <laughs> but, but the world is now a 24-hour world. You no longer work necessarily for the person down the street you may work at a job across across the globe 
I have a friend who has to has has meetings with people in Europe and stuff. So he has to get up and give presentations at like 3 a.m. sometimes. And then go back to bed. And by forcing our kids into an archaic system of early to bed, early to rise, is actually limiting their ability to adjust. And at 17, you are literally working against biology. Children yeah. are, are literally programmed to stay up late. Teenagers, yeah. Yeah. They're literally programmed from biology to stay up late. I mean, this is scientific studies have been done. Children, you know, you, you actually don't want them to go to school before say 10. But we still send them to school at 8, 7, 30, 8 o'clock anyway. Even though the science is, is clear, you don't want to send teenagers to school before 10. Because they simply don't function well before 10. Because they're programmed to stay up late. And if you think about how we evolved, it actually makes sense. Because it was those teenagers who stayed up and tended the fire and watched for wolves. The little boy who cried wolf, it was... Now, and realistically, it was teenagers, not little boys. But, I mean, at, you're talking 12 you're almost a, you're almost an adult back in those days. We forget that. But it was those young people who weren't quite old enough to go off and hunt and and, and be part and be part of that. They had to stay up late and tend the fire. Someone had to be up, tend the fire and watch for watch for wolves and whatnot. So biology programmed teenagers to do it. And we ignore that. Anyway. But ask her why. And then you can explain to her that it's a, that the world is now different. That's a 24-hour world and you're not teaching her the lessons that are going to help in the modern world. She's getting up at 4 a.m. The only people up at 4 a.m. are old people. My question is, what is she doing at night? She's probably going to bed. I'm guessing her mother goes to bed early. Goes to bed at eight, nine o'clock, and gets up early. And, but if I had to take a guess, her mother still doesn't got into her head that her daughter is seventeen. She still thinks of her as ten, twelve, and she just never adjusted. And that's a hard place to get moved from at that point. Yeah. 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 But you have to try to park your emotions when you have the conversation. That's actually the most important part of that. Because you start getting emotional and your mother's going to get defensive and you're not going to be able to move. Good just, advice. It's just human nature. Okay. Okay. My boss calls and texts me at all hours and on weekends. He expects an answer no matter when. What's the best strategy for dealing with that while still maintaining my own time? This is send him a bill. Every time he look, every time he calls you and he expects you to answer, clock in. You're working overtime. If you want me to work, you're going to pay me for it. There's a saying. The 
the amount of BS I'm willing to put up with is in direct proportion to the size of my paycheck. If you're, the size of your paycheck warrants that kind of loyalty, then you give it to them. If not, because you know what? Right now is an employee's market. You can go off and get a job, any old job you want, easily, relatively easily right now. Tell them to stuff it. Don't answer the don't answer the things. Don't answer the phone calls. Don't answer the emails. Unless you're on salary and it's part of your duties, you're, you're not required to. And if he fires you for it, that's a case. Because he can't. He can't expect you to work off the lose his case. He'll end up getting a fine. So you got the power in this situation. Use it before it goes away. Use it while the employee has the power. It may not last that long. Ah. All right. In an Amazon interview, the interviewer asks, if you were given a choice to choose between a job offer from Amazon and Walmart, what would you choose? What is the best way to answer this question that it can impress the Amazon interviewer? The best way to impress any interviewer is honesty. Now, depending upon the job you're actually looking for, but my guess is because it's a difference between Amazon and Walmart, it's probably like a warehouse job or, a, or something of that nature, the fulfillment center job kind of thing. But... <laughs> One, don't badmouth the Walmart. And you just say, you know, I'd listen to the various offers. I'd consider all the various benefits they're offering, and I'd take the one that best suited my, that I felt best suited my needs at the moment. Because that's the honest answer. Now, you can give a BS answer and say, well, I choose Amazon because they're a technology company, and they have more upwards mobility to go, and there's more room to grow in the company, and I can become part, part of it while... While Walmart, as is a good company as they are, they are in an old, stale industry that's dying. Old traditional retailers dying, and so you know, getting into bed of them would be like getting into Sears a decade ago. It would be no, it'd be no point. And you could actually give that kind of an answer, but it's completely BS. They know it, and you get hired either way, so it doesn't actually matter. Just don't badmouth the other company, and you'll be fine. <laughs> See, I can answer the question both ways. And you may want to have both answers in your pocket and read the interviewer. See, with, over the course of the interview, you know, decide, depending upon how bad you want the job, decide that, hey, give him the BS answer that he'll like or give him the truthful answer that most people would like, but this guy is a company man and just wants to hear the, the road answer. But I always go with being the honest. Just give them the honest answer. Just don't badmouth the other company. Okay. Okay. My oh, wait. There's a caveat to that. I haven't given a job interview in over a decade, so take it for what it's worth. <laughs> okay. Okay. My 15-year-old daughter wants an iPhone for her 16th birthday. Unfortunately, we can't afford an iPhone, and we tried to explain this to her. 
However, she is very angry and has stopped speaking to us. What should we do? Nothing. Nothing. You've already done it. You've already done what you can do. Now, she's lucky she's not my daughter because why well, can't I have an iPhone? It's good to want things. Build character, you don't get it. That's the end of the discussion. That's how it happened around here. You know, can't afford it. Life's tough. You know, I wouldn't even have gone to explain her. We can't afford it. Life's tough. That's all you that's the only explanation you're getting. Birthdays are birthday presents are a luxury. They're not a requirement. I mean, they're nice to give, and if you have the ability to give it, but you're not gonna break the family bank to give someone their birthday present. That's stupid. And your daughter needs to understand that. But and, and she's using the only thing that she has control over. Yeah. By not talking. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only power she has. And and the thing is, by you responding to it, gives it actually gives it power. So don't. I mean, what's really she harming you by not talking to you? She'll get over it. She'll get over it. Give her money for her birthday and let her decide what it is. Whatever, how much money we have for her, you budgeted for her birthday, give it to her in cash and let her spend it. She's old enough. That's what I would do in this situation. So look, here's your cash. You can spend it how you want. Put it away, save it, and you can buy your phone when you have enough money of your own. You know, she asked everybody to give her cash, she may be able to accumulate enough to buy an iPhone. You know, maybe that's how you explain it to her. Yeah. But it's good to want things. Builds character and you don't want it. And what's happening right now? Is she building character? <laughs> it's a painful process. It's a painful process. <clears throat> All right, so I told my boss one time that I won't be reporting to work because I'm not feeling well. She told me, okay, feel better. Is that an appropriate response? It came across to me as lacking respect and sincerity. Well, what do you care? I used to, did, you, did they fire you? Then don't worry about it. Your boss has other things on your mind than your health. And quite frankly, unless you're in the hospital, she, you're lucky she got to get feel better. You expect mother. <laughs> this is a business relationship. It's thanks for letting me know. Click. That's that's not lack of respect. It's I have other things to do. Thank you for letting me know. Now I have to go freaking fill and figure out how to fill your jobs for the day. It's fine. It happens. It's part of my job. But you know, she's not your mother. Your boss is not your not your parent. Not your there to hold your hand. We all have to stop thinking that our pace of employment is something other than the place that just pays you money to do tasks. They're not your family, and it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's great if you get into a business that runs kind of like a family. It's great if you find that because there are those out there that exist. But don't expect it. Don't expect it. That's all I'm saying. Okay, what do we got? 
uh, how do I tell my 23-year-old daughter not to celebrate Christmas? My daughter lives in the USA now, sent me, her, her dad, a picture of herself next to a Christmas tree. In my country, we don't celebrate Christmas. But in the U.S., they do. And let's be clear. In the U.S., Christmas isn't as much a religious holiday as people think it is. Half the people who celebrate Christmas don't celebrate it as a religious holiday. They may be religious people, but Christmas itself isn't a religious holiday. It's just, a, it's kind of a national holiday in the United States. I'm not saying it doesn't have roots in religion, but it has roots in lots of different religions, lots of different thoughts, and it's all kind of conglomerated into, into Santa Claus, Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> Jack Frost. Yeah, it's, in America, Christmas isn't a purely religious holiday. And so I think maybe that's the first thing someone from another country needs to understand, is that for, you, they probably view it as a purely religious holiday. And it's not. It's not. It's not a pure religious holiday. It's a community holiday. Yeah. And just because she took a picture with her friends in front of their Christmas tree does not mean she is celebrating Christmas. She was posing for a picture with a group, you yeah. know, or something. She and was just posing. She's taking part. She was partaking in a Christmas party or something. But, you know, you live in a country where 95% of the people celebrate Christmas. You're going to, you know, you have to accept it. She's going to be exposed yeah. to it, yeah. And she's 23. You can't tell her to do anything. You can tell her how you feel. You can tell her how it makes you feel. You can, and you can speak, and you can work through that. But you can't tell her anything to do anything at 23. She's in the United States. You're in another country. You can tell her anything you want. She's going to go do whatever she feels like. <laughs> so rather than trying to not get her to participate Christmas, why don't you try to understand why she's doing it? Trying just loving your daughter. Maybe you'll find out she's just being part, part of her neighborhood and she doesn't actually partake in Christmas. She's just being, She's trying to fit in. She's just being, you know. Social. She's just being social because her friends have a Christmas tree. She went to the party because she didn't want to sit home alone that day. You know, Little love and understanding goes a long way. Do we have time for one more? Uh, we will make time. Go ahead. Should I stop tucking my twelve in my twelve-year-old daughter? What age should you stop tucking your children in? Now, personally, I think this is a charming ritual. It it is it's part of and for the child, it's been part of their day since day one. I continued to do so until they said, until they just came, they started coming and hugging me goodnight and putting themselves to bed. Well, here's the other one. I never tuck my kids in. If I'd either put them to sleep and then put them to bed, already asleep, and then you're not tucking them in when they're already asleep. You're just laying them down. And, or they put themselves to bed. Yeah. I never had that. We never did that thing. But again, it's, I was a father raising boys, and so the, you know, boys, my boys never went to bed. Even if you tucked them in, they wouldn't stay there. So, 
<laughs> so it would be kind of a pointless task. <laughs> but my kids are wild sleepers. The whole tucking things and they hated the whole the whole concept of D and D. Didn't like that. So so it's never something. It was never a ritual we did. Uh-huh. But it's there's nothing wrong with the ritual. I'm just saying it's not a ritual. I'm actually all that. See, so uh, everyone participates. Yeah. It's what works for the family. Yeah. That. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with either one. It's if your family is, you know, whatever successfully gets your kids raised, successfully gets your kids raised. Guy so used to take three books, two stories. But I do have a I five do, songs. I do have a I do have a suggestion though. If you're starting to worry about it, it's probably start time to consider starting. What about talking to the young lady? No, yeah, well, it, it, yeah, it depends what you define tucking in. If tucking in is kind of saying goodnight and having a short conversation and going in, but if it's still physically tucking in, sitting next to each other. But again, it's entirely dependent upon the relationship between the parent and child. It's got. You know, those of us outside making comments only because you asked. You know, it's none of our is the definition of none of our business. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the definition of none of our business. But because you asked about because someone asked about it, then I would say if you're asking the question, it's probably approaching the time it's going to end. Naturally, one way or the other, whether you decide it's time for it to end or you know your daughter decides it's time for it. It's probably approaching that time. And, okay. And it's psychologically, you're preparing yourself for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that is all the time we're going to have for tonight. We want to thank you for joining us on this journey. If you would like to join us, you can find us at latenightlove.locals or you can find us at latenightlove.us, anchor FM slash latenightlove, Facebook slash the latenightlove. You can also find us on MeWe and Minds and all your favorite podcast networks. From me and Lovey, we want to thank you for being here. And please remember to love everybody. Good night.